we just kind of had no choice but like we yeah. could we could still choose not to go deep and be superficial with our friends but it's, it's it was also easier back then because we're forced to actually go out and generally meet someone face to face and to build those social skills which often people are lacking Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the ICYA Raw podcast, episode number nine. I guess today I have to make an admission. Mia culpa. Um, things are getting busy. It's the end of summer. All the summer students have gone back to school. They've gotten busy in their academic lives. But things are no less busy here. In fact, they might be even busier because uh, our programming is getting going and the push for the gala has begun or the we're going to do this fall gala with many small events, socially distanced and careful events. But the planning for that is very, very busy. So you can probably guess what I'm trying to say. I didn't get a podcast done this week. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go retro. Way back when we were just thinking about, hey, maybe we should try a podcast, maybe we should do something like this. One of the the drivers of the idea was, of course, Ronald Travers, and he said, I want to do a podcast, let's get in the story studio and try something and see what we can make work. We called it the RT, the Ronald Travers Podcast, and he put it up on YouTube and it got some good reaction, but... Um, it was an interesting discussion that I think we can include with our um, collection this season. And so I'm going to put it here now for your listening pleasure. So you've heard Ronald in previous podcasts, and uh, he grew up with close proximity to gang life, and um, he knows the streets around here pretty well. So he presents a theory of his that I was a little skeptical about, but he um, is pretty convincing as you will hear, he presents a theory that some of the gang-related reduction in crime that we have seen in the inner city is due to video games and what they might replace in the life of someone who finds themselves drawn into gang life. And we talk about a whole bunch of other things, but uh, that's the central point that we come back to a few times. It was recorded quite a while ago, though, so you'll hear some of it's kind of dated. I think we say in there that we recorded it in August of 2019 last year, and you'll hear the voice of Andrew Braun, who's the uh, general manager at ICYA, and so it's just the three of us having a discussion that I hope you will enjoy. Today we are going to talk about a theory. The name of the theory is Gaming Culture the accessibility of technology, and the direct decline of organized crime. And um, for this topic, this theory, I just want everyone to know that it's, um, it's something that I observed throughout the years, and it's a conclusion that I've come to, and it is very Winnipeg-based. Uh, I'm from Winnipeg. I grew up from Winnipeg right here in the North End. Um, as a teenager, I got involved with gangs and a whole lot of other stuff so I'm very familiar with that culture of gangs and um and yeah that's how I've arrived at the conclusion that I've come to when I say organized crime I'm specifically referring to gangs and um yeah that's it
So what's your theory? My theory is that the accessibility of technology and video games has had a direct link to uh, the decline of organized crime. Hmm. And I say this it's because it's, uh, it's what I've seen throughout the years. Um, the availability of technology, say, for the past seven years has increased so much. Like uh, social media has blown up way out of proportion, way more than it was when it first came out. You know, there are many young kids nowadays who are just um, who are on social media, even at an age when they shouldn't be. And um, and yeah, many people are like online games has blown away the world. So Fort, Fortnite has taken the world by surprise. So this is interesting because like major massacres, major shootings happened last week. Everything erupts with lots of voices in society saying this is the fault of gaming. Violent games, people make people more violent. And then the other side says back, that's ridiculous. It absolutely doesn't. You're saying it doesn't it not only doesn't make it make us more violent, you think gaming makes us less violent. That is not what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm saying is something more of in the middle. Video games definitely desensitize us to some level. But I don't hear anyone talking about how the rest of media desensitizes, how a person can scroll through Facebook and see all this grotesque stuff, how you can watch movies, how people are so addicted to pornography nowadays. They don't talk about how that desensitizes us. They don't talk about how um, how watching John Wick over and over again, I love that movie, by the way, desensitizes people to violence. Hmm. They act like video games is this lone little silo that just is the problem of all our personal choices of violence that we make. Yeah, it's like a double standard, right? Yeah, yeah, it is totally a double standard. Like, there's much more broader influence. I do believe it desensitizes people, but I also believe that at the end of the day, it's choices that we make that lead to such massacres. Because if it was simply uh, gaming leads to increased violence... Well, then you would think you'd see increased violence and increased shootings all over the world, right? You'd see it in, well, in America, you do see it, but you'd mm -hmm. see it in Canada, you'd see it in, uh, it would be crazy levels in Japan. It well, yeah, to speak on that even, John, like you've lived in Japan for 12 years and, and as I understand it, gaming in Japan is like a religion out there. Like they, it's, they take it very seriously and they don't see any of the violent crime that we do here. Well, they do. So I guess probably if you had someone arguing from Japan, what they would say is, yeah, I mean, intensely they take their, you know, their gaming is front and center for a lot, a good chunk of the culture. Uh, and it's no less violent or no less, uh, you know, out there than anything we have. It's probably more so. But they have the strictest weapon laws I think I've ever seen. Maybe like stricter than Canada? Way stricter. In Japan, you can get in legal trouble for touching a gun. There was, wow. a, there was a, a case a few years ago where a politician for a photo shoot held a gun and kind of posed with, I think he was aiming or something, and he got in huge trouble. I remember reading the article and thinking, am I misunderstanding the Japanese here? <laughs> because it sounds like he just held it like he didn't mm -hmm. shoot it he didn't and no that was correct he he the, like you uh need it, it's way more regulated um than here like i grew up a farm boy in canada so i 
saw and had access to lots of guns in Canada. In Japan, in 12 years I was there, I never saw a gun one time. And I think they, you know, just like here out in the country, there'd be more likelihood that someone would be hunting or something. They love boar hunting there. Uh, and so you can do the process to get hunting weapons, but it is very involved. But um, so when they're, when something does break out, they do have crazy violent things happen, but it's usually with knives. It's usually not with a gun. So not so long ago, somebody took a katana or a sword of some sort and uh, killed a bunch of people in Tokyo. And that sort of thing does happen. But um, yeah, you're always going to have crazy guys wherever, right? It's mm-hmm. always going to be a nutcase. Yep. That sounds um, actually with the knives. Like people dying of knives is actually more common in Winnipeg than people dying of guns. Actually, on the note of guns, something I've noticed is actually. Um, when I used to hang out with gang- gangsters, um, all our guns were basically imported from the reserves. Hmm. They were stolen and brought into the city. And, were they uh, like actually, hunting rifles? Or they were like of? hunting rifles, like little little shotguns, little rifles, little tutus, all, mostly all sawed off. Like handguns and machine guns were very rare, but those were all the guns that we were able to get a hold of. Handguns and machine guns were very rare. Yeah, they were very rare. Like I think uh, they I knew still almost are. of no one getting a hold of one. Was yeah. anyone getting a hold of them? Like you... Was there other gangs? Like, oh, there there was definitely people that got a hold of them somehow. So when they were coming from reserves, how were they ending up in reserves, do you think? Well, people legally buying guns. Oh, okay. And Are they getting, getting stolen? stolen? Yeah. Okay. Like stolen I, and then... And just then, last year, I read an article about someone stole 15 pistols from a, an RCMP's house. And uh, I didn't hear of any recovery of those weapons yet, but I'm like, man, if those guns make it to the streets, like that's going to be crazy. Huh. Yeah, that is crazy, and and you know I just looking at the crime stats here too, kind of going on Ronald's original theory about crime going down, and across Western Canada, and just looking at Winnipeg particularly, they have the Crime Severity Index um, that's put out each year by different city police services, and since two thousand three. Um, in Winnipeg, it's gone down from one sixty five down to 106 was last year that's incidents yeah that's that's incidents i think per 100,000 people wow and so so 106 and in 2013 it looks like it was the lowest it was 83 so it's been on it's a very much of a tr- downward trend in the last nearly 20 years here and so you said you feel like that might have a relationship to gaming how um, because kids would rather be at home playing games than actually being in a gang and um, doing bad stuff. Like back then, we didn't have the accessibility of technology. So how, how did you have to get along with your friends? You had to go down to their house. You all meet up as a group. And when you got nothing to do, you automatically start doing bad things, like especially here in the North End where a lot of us struggle with addictions and poverty. And uh, like personally on that, I believe that we have to like, rise up and break those cycles of poverty hmm. and addiction and that we shouldn't be blaming people but they do definitely influence influence us to do the things we do especially my own people and um so just knowing like the gangs back then when they had none of this technology they would be going around kind of just starting crime stealing stuff yeah. selling drugs and um and so you're saying random in a way, acts of violence even in a way you're saying gaming ends up being a less um harmful addiction Yes. Yeah, it's like yes. another addiction, but it's an addiction. Like I used to think this about alcohol. I used to think, you know, 
I've never had much trouble with addiction to alcohol, but I sure have had trouble with addiction to food. Like okay. I used to, if I was bummed out or depressed or whatever, I'd go binge and I could easily eat 10,000 calories in a day, mm-hmm. right? Not good for me. Very obviously an addictive sort of behavior. Yeah. But it just doesn't have the consequences of going on a bender and drinking, you know, an incredible amount in a day. Because if you're, you know, stone drunk and the the, the behavioral spinoffs that happen, you know, are, are, are often worse. And so I often thought it's a strange thing that there's some addictions I think the addictive behavior, it's just as bad. It's still an addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in some, the consequences aren't just as bad. right? You, and, and so in maybe it's kind of a similar thing. It's an addictive behavior to be addicted, but it better be addictive, addicted to a game than... Yes, it is, it is an addictive behavior to be <clears throat> addicted to games and playing them. And honestly, um, here in Winnipeg, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the schools actually, uh, specifically the schools... located in indigenous neighborhoods are neighborhoods that are mostly indigenous have a really high um number of um absenteeism and that's a big issue that we're dealing with yeah and um i think was uh over a year ago now that Fortnite was released and um i can tell you personally from being an um, educational assistant at a school all of my students or a majority of them were staying home to play Fortnite all night and i could personally testify to that um, but yeah, also like, man, growing up, video games is my thing. Like, I love to do that. Um, but yeah, I know it's a controversial thing to say that like, uh, video games actually has had a direct incline on, um, a de- a, decline. I contributed to the decline. Yeah. 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 Of, uh, of organized crime. But, um, from what I observed, I think it's a uh, pretty strong and here's, here's an interest. I'm just reading different things here. Um, You're totally like the guy in the booth here. This is awesome. (laughs) This is fun. I'm learning learning lots here. Uh, Studies have shown that violent video games can have a positive effect on kindness, civic engagement, and pro-social behavior. So it's saying um, uh, they have found that they've they've discovered that youth exposed to violence in action games displayed more pro-social behavior and civic engagement, possibly due to the team-oriented multiplayer option options in many of these games it's a 2013 peer-reviewed study because of team playing team uh, play yeah it's created more pro-social behaviors and that's that's a very interesting point pro-social behaviors um part of the reason why people used to get involved with gangs in the first place is because they're bored mm-hmm. you know gangs would offer you something they'd offer you a sense of community a sense of belonging you're able to earn money you're able to you know, have some sort of pleasure from being in this, whether that be drugs or, um, you know, hooking up with women or something. Mm -hmm. Video games is kind of like a replacement to that. You get that sense of community and that sense of belonging through the online gaming industry with all your friends. Gaming is very pleasurable. It's been said to have released the same amount of dopamine Mm. as doing cocaine. Except they're not actually doing the cocaine, which mm. costs you thousands of dollars and has obviously other physiological physical. effects on the human body. But yeah. it does, so it's it's pleasurable in that sense. It gives you that community in that sense. So what I'm saying is that it fills the need. It kind of offers what the gangs used to offer, mm. except without all less of the negative consequences. So do you think then it's... Oh, okay, th- so yeah, that leads to the obvious question. Is it good? Is it good? 
So then is it good? It's obviously not good. It's maybe it's it's no. better. It's right? better. I would say it's good, but it's not all good. Like obviously like you're watching um you're playing a video game that's just something very grotesque and just morally wrong. Like obviously that's not good. Like there is there is games that aren't good. There is well, and it, and movies it, and media that just aren't good. And so I could say that it can be. But I'd say that it does also have um, benefits as well that can yeah. benefit the community. And it's kind of like it's kind of like a lesser evil. Yeah, say. a lesser evil. That's a way to put it. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it's better than a negative social connection. But it's almost more like in the direction of a neutral to a little bit good. So like uh, ultimately what you want is people to have healthy thriving connected relationships yeah. with other healthy thriving well-connected people right that's sort yeah. of the that's the the kingdom of god like that's the mm-hmm. the big goal that's the north star kind of yeah. thing mm-hmm. and if this is i guess it might be on the a step in that direction if you're deliberate about doing something about it but maybe not right so like yeah. i think there's actually a parallel here to another thing in japan um there's a huge problem in japan right now uh, because of um, population decline. Literally, okay. it's the only industrialized nation that shrinks every year. Wow. When I showed up in Japan, it was 122 million people. And by the time I left, I think there was 119 or something like that. And it's still mm-hmm. declining every year because... People don't pe- have kids. People don't get married. They don't have kids. And what was it called? A soushoku danse, I think it was called, which means an um, omnivore man or herbivore man <laughs> yeah herbivore man it was basically like th- this uh personality of guy that was sort of a, a sort of had become a stereotype in the culture but based on some real habits of guys who had no interest in sex okay because they said porn's better wow. like sex real sex is is gross <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and there's people and smells and hairs and fluids involved right and yuck i don't yeah. want that it's much neater and and cleaner this is the i guess this is the r-rated portion of the, of yeah, the r-rated Keep that in mind. <laughs> edit it if, if you have if you have to but they would say i would rather i'd rather have porn mm-hmm. and, but but porn doesn't make relationships porn doesn't make babies Right. Yeah, it's it's anti-community. Yeah, totally, it's really it's anti what no we are made for. No human connection at all, right? Like yeah. it's a com- complete and, loss of connection with other and people. And like st- mm-hmm. statistically, porn has been proven to them destroy marriages and all this other stuff mm-hmm. to to alter the view we, the way we see women, yeah, like exactly. pieces of meat instead of actual human beings, which I believe are made in the image of God mm. and precious to Him and us. And so does gaming do, do something similar? Like I, gaming keep us? Does it keep us at a sort of a uh, yeah, ish. I can cooperate with a guy on my headphones who lives in Detroit yeah. that I never have to see except for, or never have to even talk to other than Fortnite. Like, that's a relationship, but that's not a real relationship. Well, it, it's actually not. Like, gaming does give that sense of community, and mm-hmm. it is an alternation to gangs, as I've seen. And it has, in my opinion, an observation, had a direct um Directly influenced the decline of organized crime in gangs in Winnipeg. Mm. But I don't think that, like, I think that the way we connect on technology, social media, like, it's pretty fake. Like, it's it's not real connections. It's not genuine connections. People don't really know who you are as you're on there. They don't yeah. know you as a person. Yeah. Like, 
I think that's true, and I think that's sad. But the other sad thing is that's also true in real life. Like a lot of times, our connections in real life yeah. are not very deep and not very real, and not, mm-hmm. you know they, they, we keep everything super well superficial. And yeah. we don't, if you don't ever go deeper, sometimes I wonder, because I do know people and I have had that experience myself where yeah. um, certain online formats, say like in the old blogging days, um, you could go really deep. Yeah. I have some online friends who I almost know exclusively from online and I know far more about them, but that was because we were involved in like blogging and reading quite deeply and we argued way down okay. on different yeah. opinions. Uh, but in some ways, Facebook and the newest of the new media led to the end of that, mostly because the circle got so big. So like yeah. when I was having deep online connections with um, what started out as strangers but eventually became real true online friends, mm-hmm. uh, there was no such thing as Facebook yet. And I remember... <laughs> When my aunties and uncles started adding me on Facebook, yeah, I went quiet. Like you know, with a when the circle is large enough, or or when people from your work are adding you, and you're mm-hmm. you know, it's there's a big difference between a conversation you have off in a room with a close friend versus a conversation you have in a large room with a hundred people. Yeah, and you just don't say the same things anymore. Yeah, of course. And in some ways, uh, Facebook and Twitter had that effect where I thought. Well, you can't have honest conversations anymore because it's too dangerous to. Um, so I wonder, like, there in both real life and in uh, technological life, you get depth and super superficiality depending on a whole bunch of other yeah. factors. But in the broader sense, I would say that the superficiality has increased because of online compared to relationships like a decade or two ago, where. We just kind of had no choice, but like we yeah. could, we could still choose not to go deep and be superficial with our friends. But it's, it's it was also easier back then because we're forced to actually go out and generally meet someone face to face and to build those social skills, which often people are lacking. Like people nowadays, because they scroll on social media nowadays, and they have that option of just pulling out their phone when they're in a room instead yeah. of just feeling the awkwardness and yeah, and don't know how to be that awkwardness anymore. that comes when you first meet someone, but then you slowly build that friendship. But then they have a chance to escape that now. Yeah. So, so yeah. in a broader sense, I would say that the superficiality has increased. Um, compared to a few decades ago but yeah you could still definitely go deep with technology i do it as well um yeah yeah what do you think mr braun well yeah i guess if we're talking about things that are most harmful to society i would say social media is way more harmful to what it's doing to kids and all to social media um all the major platforms yeah i so like facebook twitter facebook, instagram twitter instagram even i think YouTube. I think like there's there there's more and more studies coming around about how it creates more mental health issues, uh, even just points of connection, um, simple stuff like they've been saying that people are losing the ability to think and process on their own because what they are doing now, if, if you're in bed, it used to be growing up, you mm-hmm. would lay there in silence if you couldn't sleep and you'd start thinking about your day. And now people are in that silence and they're bored, so they pull up their phone and start scrolling. Mm. And... There, and so people are losing the ability to just kind of process mm. and figure things out. It's true. I do that. Oh, we sure love our quotes, too, that kind of uh, align with what we're feeling in the moment. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point, too. Yeah. You, find, you take a quote, 
rather than a book. Right? Yeah, totally. You take a tweet rather than in some way. Well, what do you think about podcasts? This is it, the interesting thing about podcasts. Like, you know, if you listen to the, the Joe Rogans of the world, it, it, some people are amazed that people will now listen to two and three hours uh, on That's one. A lot. Of one I, I, I try to do that, but I'm just like, like working here. Um, Man, I got some weird hours. I try to I try to commit to that just to be up to date, and I do enjoy them. But that's a little too much for me. Yeah, but I know like people like too. those podcasters. They have like quite a, a loyal following that will listen yeah. to their hour podcast. It's pretty crazy. Well, I used to do that, and it all depends on your job too. Like when I was in university, I worked as a janitor for in the evenings to just kind of pay up my tuition, and I would listen to four hour long podcasts. I would just be like alone, just sweeping floors. And so you could listen for a long time. But yeah, if you're in a job or you're in a place where you can only do an hour at a time, it's hard to get into podcasts. You know know what one of the, I think my theory on the biggest, the biggest um, booster of podcast listening was Bluetooth in cars. Oh yeah. Because as soon as your iPhone without like now my, I get in my car and my iPhone automatically connects to Bluetooth and overtakes my radio mm-hmm. now suddenly my podcast whatever i'm listening to on a podcast it auto plays now so then suddenly my what previously would have been my 20 minute drive down to the south end if you're yeah. driving a lot you know that becomes uh, 20 minutes of a podcast and i actually end up listening to an incredible amount of long form stuff yeah so in some ways i think that might be the antidote to the Twitter and the Facebook and the, the you know the social media aspects where you mm-hmm. never ever ever dig down, mm-hmm. but um, so that's a new way of getting deep. I hope yeah. so. I think that's pretty interesting, guys. Um, I know uh, now that I've, we've opened up this topic, I could see that it's kind of interconnected with a lot of stuff, and um, we've kind of we've kind of strayed a little bit. But uh, let's go let's go back to the main point. So a point I want to make on um, on this whole theory of uh, gaming culture. And how um, the accessibility of technology um, <clears throat> had a direct decline on organized crime. You know, um, I started selling drugs when I was 13. I'm 23 now. and But during that time, though, I can already see, like, um, the decline of organized crime in gangs. Like, By the way, sometime we have to have a, just a podcast on that lunch we had last, uh, where you just, like... Detail, detail, the, the everyday the culture and, and everyday of drug life. selling. Yeah, oh, most man, my, lunch my, I've had. We can in do the last that. Month. I got some yeah. really weird stories that sound like almost fake, but I know for <laughs> for a fact are real. They might get me in trouble though. Let's uh, let's uh, talk about some like economics of gangs in North End or something yeah. like let's, that. Uh, let's let's, that. let's make this, this one point <laughs> first though. So I was in the decline of I was already in the decline of like gangs were way less ruthless when I joined. Huh. Like um, back then, if you wanted to get in, you had to take take like um the beats two three minutes of getting whipped real good just to be in the gang and you had to earn your stripes by doing like missions like shooting stabbings and whatever else for the gang like you're basically a a striker and now as i was joining it was way less of that like you can literally be deboarded with in a gang without actually being deboarded um, but with that said, I know that deboarded means what? Deboarded means like being kicked out of a gang. Okay. But you got to take your deboards. Your deboards are you getting a good licking for two to three minutes? Oh. And two what, to three minutes in, two to three minutes out. And what do you think reduced that? Some uh, hold on. This okay. Some gangs used to have like like the notorious movie Blood In Blood Out. Like the motto says it at all. But um, but yeah, I know that I know that um, 
organized crime is very well much alive in prisons right now. Hmm. Like, I got a, a little brother who's in Stony Mountain penetrating. He's dealing with that gang culture. It's very much alive in there. And I think that's because all the, the big timers, all these guys who used to be very organized, got arrested and did something deadly where they're literally serving life or several years in prison now. Hmm. And the younger guys weren't there to kind of take their place. And yeah. then that's where the video games in and really just kind of killed the organized crime. And I would say that, like, all the crimes in Winnipeg... Last I checked, there was 23 murders just this year. Uh, what's the date today? The date is August... Uh, August 8th. August 8th, 2019. Yeah, we're yeah. at double. We're on pace for double, aren't we? I think we're, we're on, yeah, we are on yeah. pace so right now. So the amount of murders, but the thing about these murders, they're not like some big criminal syndicate that's organized and behind. These are all pretty random, all linked to meth. Yeah, Like meth it's crazy. Is. In a way, it's kind of, for me, the thought of organized crime being down is kind of like... Oh, that's encouraging. But it's also, like, scary to know that you have a higher chance of getting, like, killed by a meth head or something like yeah. that than, than being killed by organized crime. At least you can attack organized crime. Meth is just a whole other obstacle. Yeah, but all, yeah all the crimes are just, like, they're very random, and yeah. most of them are linked mm -hmm. to meth nowadays. And yeah. Was it you telling me recently about how some guys now on the street are more afraid of, like, a 12-year-old kid? than an 18-year-old guy. Oh, yeah, because 12-year-olds, like, man... Okay, this is why. The, not that they're necessarily afraid of them, but, like, you have a higher chance of getting bear-maced in Winnipeg than mm. getting shanked. Uh, that's just how it is. People love their bear-maced. And so, like, a little 12-year-old, he wants to prove something. He wants to prove he's a gangster. or that he's he shouldn't untouchable, be messed too, right? With. He's untouchable. I've been in that mindset. I'm sure some of us have been, you know, we know it all when we're 12. But so these 12-year-olds with straight-up, like, bear-maced you for looking at him wrong. Like, there's this weird culture in Winnipeg where if you're walking down the street, and I'm talking about the ghettos, and you look at a guy... And then all of a sudden the guy looks at you and he's like, yo, what the, what the F are you looking at? And then all of a sudden, you know, two people can't back there. All of a sudden you're getting in a fight. That's where most, like, that's how a lot of beefs are started. Or someone says something wrong on social with media. With 12-year-olds? Well, with 12-year-olds. And um, not, not just 12-year-olds. Like what I just talked about the last minute or so, that goes all the way to like 18 years old. Yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah, even, even higher. Crazy. But yeah, that's how a lot of beefs, beefs are just ridiculous. They're started in pretty petty ways and they just escalate. <laughs> Yeah, um, Andrew, you're gonna say something? No, no, that's just uh, you. You touched on that. I was just wondering about. I, I can't remember who was telling me about it recently. About how this seems like those twelve year old kids don't understand the consequences as much of their for their actions. So mm -hmm. if they're holding a knife or even holding like a sawed off shotgun, yeah, they're more likely to use that than mm -hmm. maybe an, a sixteen or an eighteen year old guy would. So then, yeah. and this is where the media comes in. I would say that hip-hop culture the rappers influence more damn violence than video games mm. ever would like. well and so so what do you think like when we had lunch a little while ago mm -hmm. i talked about i had just read that book about the indian posse oh the ballad of danny wolf that's it yeah. ballad of danny wolf yeah. by joe friesen there's our there's your link now you gotta put that link in the mm -hmm. under in the youtube okay. under the video put the link in the um and the that that would confirm what you're saying about how like in in those days that was what early 2000s ending around uh, i forget but maybe 2011 or 12 or so mm -hmm. uh and how that what they it was real rigid and real mean and yeah. and you and they would talk that that book talked about um the pyramid like the hierarchy was really 
yeah. strict and well structured because the the uh, the Wolf Brothers were well respected because they could be pretty yeah. tough and and, pretty and they weren't official bosses but they they kind of were at the same time. Um, so then the then them dying or well first getting thrown in prison and then dying would have been the first step that led to. But you're saying that's only one of the steps. The that's only one, yeah. Get. And the point you're talking about is um, when you take away the boss, there's always someone just ready to step up and take that place. The one that happens when, when whether the boss gets murdered or arrested, you have just a big scramble for ta- for power, and gangs will usually split several times, and then everyone's kind of doing their own thing, and yeah. that also kind of because shatters the no, organization itself. Because there's no strong fist at the top anymore. Yeah, exactly. And man, like just just a point I want to make is like, man, like 10, 20 years ago, you want to get out of the gang, like you had to earn your patches, your tattoos, which symbolize what you've done. Man, they would skin those off of you. I, I used to work with a guy who, who, he didn't actually get it skinned from his own gang, but he got caught by a rival gang, and they took a big buck knife and take took his patch right off. Man, like it's brutal. Man, wow. And that's that's nothing like what like it's gangs today are nothing like what they used to be. And do you think any part of that was um, stricter law enforcement? Like, because I know for a while there, say for example, when the Mad Cows emerged and okay. got pretty serious there was a big uh police response from that and for a while there was a well there was a big to the to warriors and to the posse there was a big response from the, the police. Mm, I, I recall in the ballad of danny wolf that that was a part of how they tackled the big the gang issues but i also know that canada's justicism is a justice system is a joke like people murder people. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but people literally murder people, and they get out in two to three years. Mm. Like it's crazy, like that. So that also encourages the the high rate of crime because yeah. people aren't afraid. Like as a as a young gangster, I was encouraged. Like, oh man, you don't got a criminal record? They'll give you a pink slip. They'll let you out in a few hours. Boom! You murder someone as a minor, you're getting out in two years. That's what I was told by the gangsters, mm. and um, many other things. Like that's why that's why these guys want to. Uh, at least the culture of the day when I was working they wanted the younger guys to do the missions and stuff because the older guys they don't want to go down for it they just want to use these little guys for you know selling drugs doing missions and so wait a second if so if we package this podcast up and get it sounding good and put it online are, okay. are you getting in trouble for any of this <laughs> I don't think so I mean like Hmm. Am I? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we'll get in trouble for this. Like I'm just talking about the gang culture, and it's, it's um, I've, I've been most people know already. Yeah, yeah. It's like anyone who really knows me well, or even knows a little bit of my story, they know that I've I was a big part of this, and um, that I've been out for a while now, and that's thanks to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about it, and I think we're just living in a different age now. You know, if I go to Stony Mountain, then I'm in for a big surprise there. Not really a surprise, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, because you because you know because you're connected because you well, know just because I'm just because know yeah, the right yeah. people or maybe the wrong people, <laughs> the right and wrong people. Yeah, I would yeah. Say. but yeah, yeah. I, I wonder, kind of going back to that point of gangs being so much more prevalent in prisons right now, and is that maybe just at that prison is structured where those guys are just bored it's concentrated evil the guys go in with their mindsets that they're already in and then that just gets reinforced Hmm. as they're in there it's like you go in for murder right you're a murderer 
you got another guy's going in for something less. Well, it's just like the whole structure of a gang. It's it's concentrated evil, and that's mm. where it thrives. And people want like, man, like the, the hierarchy. The hierarchies naturally just take place and yeah. form in there. And um, and then there's also drugs coming in, despite well, the prisons trying to stop them and all this other stuff, which just causes drama. And um, the thing you did. Whatever you did becomes so central to your identity, right? We yeah. Live, we live in a time now where we know how important identity is yeah. Yeah. and what you think you are, not just, you know, I did this, but I am this. And in prison, you know, it's, it's... I am a killer. Yeah, I, I am a all drug the voices dealer, tell you banger. this is centrally who you are, which, yeah. you know, what we teach... You know, kids around us in the drop-in is this is not your the things you did the wrong things you did are not central to who you are. It's not the the center of your identity, yeah. but a prison spends so much time just uh, implicitly telling well and explicitly probably telling people that 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 constant that thing in itself concentrates the evil and in such a the prison way. is so complex. That you you can't just go in a prison and not really be involved with a gang, because then you're just a lone wolf, who's just gonna be eaten up by the other wolves. And mm. you know, are you more of a sheep gonna be eaten by the wolves, mm. a mm. victim? So it's like, be the victim or, you know, be the person, the the predator. You didn't you like didn't spend any time at youth center or anything, right? I spent 19 days at the youth center as a kid, but that's that's a whole different culture. That's yeah. that's nothing. Like, I got in, like, one little petty fight in there, and mainly, like, a lot of people would say it's harder time because, like, most of the time, and I don't know how it is now, I've never been there for a long time uh, since I was, like, a teenager, but, like, the first few weeks you're in there, you're on 23-hour lockdown, wow. so actually that, that really makes you not want to go back to jail. 23-hour <laughs> lockdown? So yeah. you're in a room by yourself, or how does that work? Well, you, like, you, you you can come out to grab your food, you can come out for a shower, and a little bit of free time, and you slowly earn your free time in there, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty deadly. Like, a lot of people say, like, the, like, the medium security and even like the federal prisons like they like them better because you just get more free time to do stuff compared to like manitoba youth center which is just strict in there last uh, time i checked uh, i don't know how crazy. it is now though so like okay 23 hours alone by yourself yeah what do you do you think about what you did <laughs> do you actually or do you think about oh, how you, you can do. get away you know, with it next time? you know there's i don't think there's a person a single person in a prison that's doing hard time that says like oh no i didn't do that i don't deserve to be here they know that what they did they know that they deserve to be there hmm. and uh, i think that's why like when people go and like preach the gospel to them that they know like yeah i did this you know uh, hmm. yeah god loves me forgives me uh, but yeah just such a hard culture to navigate um yeah, this is an extremely interesting talk. I got to go to my next thing, but okay. um, we um, got to do more of these because uh, I think we took about twenty-five different hour-long podcasts and talked a little bit about all of them. Yes, so yeah, we should good. piece those apart and then mm-hmm. go in depth. I was thinking I've actually got some people in mind who I thought uh, we should invite in and have talk. Uh, you know, people who have different areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. Like I can't think of his name, but there's this one cop who's retired now who worked a lot uh, with gang issues in the inner city. Okay. We should find that guy. Cool, yeah. I and think that, I know who you're talking about. And you I got and him a, on the same podcast. I've met a few other cops who have I've actually had a chance to just talk with them about um, issues here in the community of like stuff we just talked about. But yeah, I know we had, this is our first podcast. Uh, we did a lot of uh, 
sidetracking. But um, yeah, uh, I encourage everyone to kind of tune in on the next ones and, uh, you know, uh, like and share the videos. And, you know, if it's YouTube, subscribe. It's and, called um, the RT, so you have to retweet it. <laughs> or the Ronald Travers show. Or Russia RT Today. No. <laughs> no, no, ignore that. No Russia Today. No Russia. <laughs> I'm going to think Canadian all the way. I'm going to think of many RTs as I can okay, for the next podcast. The RT show. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's our show. So okay. goodbye, everyone. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.